0: so welcome along to the Big Red Bench you, um, it is Saturday evening and there's plenty of sport happening around the country so let me get through the Premier League results first of all Leicester City has beaten United 4-2 would you believe I say it every week but my father will be delighted he can't cope Man United he's a big Arsenal man Man City got the better of Burnley 2-0 Was and Aston Villa finished 3-2 and Southampton beat Leeds 1-0 it was scoring between bottom side Norwich and Brighton then of course and elsewhere this morning Liverpool beat Watford 5-0. That result means they're top of the table at least until Chelsea are in action their away to Brentford since 5-30. No score on that at the moment. Here at home Wexford beat Cork 1-0 in the Women's National League at Thurness Cross and are second in the table. In the golf, in the CG Cup PGA Tour Rory McIlroy will get his day three underway from nine under just before 25 plus six Irish time this afternoon and the former Open champion Shane Lowry is four under par through five holes today. In rugby this evening, Munster face Connacht and in the URC in the United Rugby Championship kickoff in Thoman Park is at 7.35 and I think that is live in RT if you would like to see that. But I did mention that this week on the show I will be chatting to John Myler and um, he launched his book this week, um, Myler, a family member. It's a series of a flesh and blood series and John did the book alongside his son David and it's amazing and it's available to buy in all good bookstores. So I caught up with John, I think it was Thursday, so let's take a listen to John Myler. Joining me on the Big Red Bench this week is John Myler. John, welcome to the Big Red Bench.
1: Thanks, Valerie. Thank but you.
0: It's been a while. First of all, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel old or anything, but do you remember being my lecturer in CIT? Yeah,
1: you were one of my better students. <laughs> That's a long time ago, Valerie. You make me feel old, and but you didn't uh, pursue your degree and, um, you know, what you were doing in, in 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 MTU with me. So, um, you know, but you've gone on to... You know, bigger pasture. So fair deuce to you. Well done.
0: Yeah, no, thanks. It was great. We, we were big, big fans of you. It was in childcare and I can't even remember the subject that you taught us. I think some got to do business at the time,
1: but. Yeah, it was business management. So you've learned something on how to set up and run a business and all that. But you didn't pursue your career in childcare and that. But like, look, that's that's what a lot of people in college do. They go to college. They probably don't follow know what they want to do in later life but you know what i mean you're you've you've progressed well you've done all right so that's good
0: how has life been for you i know the book probably has taken up a good chunk of it over the last few years but how have you been keeping
1: i'm great um you know that um it's it's been hectic you know trying to do the book Um, you know, with Fintan O'Toole and and my own son, David, and Liam Hayes as well, the publisher, over the last two years has been tough. It's been hard, but, you know what I mean? It it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of detail from Fintan to interview the two of us. And, uh, you know, Fintan has done an outstanding job in terms of putting it all together. And then Liam Hayes, the, the ex mead footballer, you know, publishing the book and that. So, you know, great credit is due to Fintan and to Liam for what they've done. But, both of us have really enjoyed it um you know myself and david have really enjoyed putting it together you know what i mean and um i suppose we can't say everything we want to say and the stuff has been ended <laughs> <book> well. <laughs> you know
0: i mean where did the idea first come from john i mean did was it yourself was it david did someone come to you
1: no no i think it was i think it was Liam. like Liam approached me and and said he'd like to meet uh myself and david and about writing a book and then I felt like well there's very little to write about me and um he said I want to write a book about yourself and David and you know it's a series about family and he he calls it flesh and blood um and he he had spoken to me when I met him 2 years ago about writing about families and and about how each individual sees their progress over years compared to their son or their brother or their father or daughter, or, you know what I mean? So I thought, like, I've I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it's a fantastic idea. So like the book runs through that team with, with myself and then David is next and then myself. So does it, there's a recurring pattern and, and also what, what both of us have learned from each other in terms of playing in our playing career and in managing career. Um, and he's just started now in, in his management career. He's involved with the Ireland under-17 soccer team. So, you know, there's, there's little parallels there that you can help. And, you know, we discuss everything. So it's been fantastic that way. But, you know, it's 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 been really enjoyable.
0: Was there things that you maybe learned about, other that you didn't know maybe when sitting down to do these interviews and things? Maybe stories told that you were like, I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but... But there's a lot of you you know, a lot of books like that. You 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 can't really bear your soul. You can't really put it in everything you want to put in, um, because I'd probably be sued and David would be sued and things <laughs> like that. You know, I mean, so it's 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 um as I said, you can't bear everything, but um I'd say to him, "Did that really happen?" Like, and he he'd probably give me a little bit more detail of what happened. You know what I mean? Because my stories are fairly straightforward, and not, you know what I mean. When you're in professional football and you're in the Premiership in England for ten years, there', there are a lot of, there's going to be a lot of stories that are there um, that can't come out. Really, you know. Um, but like, look, it's, it's 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 a labour love between the two of us, really. You know.
0: Yeah, so basically, the book is going to be about the difference between maybe the GA and the professional soccer life, John.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's just a chronological order, really, of our lives. Um, you know, where I started in Wexford and then I went to and went to UCC, you know, got involved here with the bars and that, and, and then got involved with Cork and then the coaching. And as much as I like David is really on. He's only thirty two at the moment, so it's about his time here. When he started off with Saint Michael's and Black Rock Hurling Club, and then you know going to um, going to England uh, thirteen years ago, and and then starting off at Sunderland and Hull, you know. So, so it's it's a progression of, of of both our careers, and both careers are paralleled in the book really. So you know, you don't just get all uh, about one of us at one time. It's 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 inter uh, interlinked really, like do you know what I mean? So, um, it's good, it's good.
0: Yeah, you've both done a lot. I think for you yourself, you know, when you are a player and then you are a manager and you're still managing, John. Uh, did you find it stressful being a player or a manager more so? Which one?
1: There's more stress on you as a manager because you got thirty players, or you know what I mean. On a, on a on a championship day, you've got fifteen players, and you're trying to get the best out of those players. You know, to come together, but it's more and more nowadays where, where you have a management team, which you, uh, you could have 20, 25 or 30 people within a management setup, within a management team. And you're trying to get all of those to get the best out of the players. So there's an awful lot more pressure on, on um, today. It's, it's really difficult. It's really challenging. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're there in Crow Park, you're there in Turles or wherever, and you're just trying to get the best out of the players. And, you know, it's extremely tough. And if you don't win, you are, you're going to get criticism then. And, and, and that's, you know, that's it. And then you have to take it because when you put yourself into those jobs, you know that you're going to get criticised and you have to be able to take it and face it. And that's really it. in a nutshell.
0: And how did you find the criticism over the year, John? Were you able to block it out? Were, were there some things that maybe you took to heart?
1: No, i don't i don't mind i actually like criticism um you know i mean i actually like criticism you know from 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 people you know your own close circle and yeah. and and i have people who i wouldn't call it criticism i'd call it constructive criticism mm-hmm. and you have big rudgers out there and, and that's in every walk of life and i will say look great thanks very much for your advice and move on but i don't engage big i really don't and and that's the way with them and if somebody wants to, you know, criticize you negatively, just go away from them and leave them out of your social circle or your family circle and just say, sorry, I'm not, you know I mean? I'm not talking to you anymore. That, you know what I mean? But like I've been criticized all the time. And, you know, the one rule I have in, in sport, and I've said this to David as well, if you win, you're right. If you don't, you're wrong. And and ultimately, at the end of the day, um, that's the bottom line. If you win, you're right. If you don't, you're wrong. And um, look, I've won matches where I don't know how I've won them and I've been, you know, I mean, you get credit and then you lose matches and, you know, you're going to get criticised and people have a cut off you. But that's, you know, you have to take that. Like that's everything in life. And and if you don't stand up to that, people then will we'll, we'll hit you harder. Um, and that's it.
0: And being part of the book as well, David's in it and he's sharing his story as well. But what was it like for you watching him grow up and becoming a professional footballer? I mean, that probably was added stress as well, John.
1: Oh, but we always see in our family, I have a daughter as well and, mm-hmm. and uh, who swam for Ireland as well. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you see the two of them growing up, like you want the best for them and and it's difficult and there are, you know what I mean? they are fantastic highs and, and that, but there are also fantastic lows and that. And you're there to support it. You're not there to live... You're you're not there to live your life through them, right? and I would say that to all parents. Like you're there to support them in the best way possible that you can for them, and give them advice and give them help, and and that's what I've tried to do with 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 David and off lads. I'm Sarah's different. Sarah was swimming, and and my wife swam for Ireland as well, so she would know that side of the the of sport. But you're there to support. You're there to help. You're not there to, at times you might have an odd harsh word or something like that but he was always good to take that i think that's 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 the um that's the sign of a good individual as well he'll take a bit of criticism from me as well but he'll criticize me as well but you know but you're there to support i think and and all our children are 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 valued you know
0: yeah i did read somewhere during the week um about the drive and motivation maybe when david was younger about um If his name was mentioned in the paper that he'd or score a goal that he might get 50 hours off you (laughs) but he was cleaning you up by the end of
1: it john but he he did he took a few bob (laughs) out of my pocket but but i I suppose like a lot of it is tied into here in this house we had kind of reward packages you know if you've done well or whatever the predator boots or or things like that but I, I look, I'm I'm one of those. I'm probably old school. If, if 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 you do this, um, look, I I I look after you here or something like that. But 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 I noticed later on in life, then you know, you when you're coming home from matches in England and you're in Heathrow or you're in Manchester Airport or whatever airport you're in, and Sky Sports was always on. And I remember saying to him one night that you know, um, somebody was saying how well you played today in the match, like, and he wasn't even at the match. But what I noticed was the strap on Sky Sports came up for David Myler scored a goal and it comes up about every 5-10 minutes and up you're up and people see that and people then, it's it's a whole social media thing as well that they think you've done well and, and um, I got, look I invested in them and it paid off and that's it and you know what I mean so it was good.
0: Did you try go to every single game?
1: As often as I could, like, do you know what I mean? But, but like you, London was the easiest, like, because you yeah. can fly from Cork, and you know, I mean, you take the seven o'clock flight on a Saturday morning. Same to Manchester, um, you know, way back at the start there were flights to Leeds, so and Newcastle, and uh, so you know that's handy. And you hire then Europe car always gave me a car, and um, I remember saying one day. And, I, I i had i always hired the cheapest car <laughs> which would be about 20 euro um and then she said oh good morning mr miter oh, because they knew me in manchester airport what have we today and i said hugely hugely important game and um she said oh we 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 need you in a better car so europe car came up with a very posh range rover for me for for the day so i was you know i mean <laughs> got to know those people <laughs> well in manchester airport and then you you know, you were if, if the game was in Manchester against Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Man City, you'd always be there about 11 o'clock. And then I'd go for sleep for an hour, two hours in the car. And same in London. Like London was the easiest. You just got the tube from Heathrow. And uh, so then it was trying to fill the time between nine o'clock in the morning and match time was at three, you know. Mm. Um, and you'd meet an awful lot of interesting people like yeah. and and um, even you know in the airport and things like that coming back and um and i was brilliant i loved it i'd be tired you'd be tired on the sunday you know you would be wrecked after you know what i mean but you know what i mean as i said to you in the previous question battery like it's about the support you know what i mean and mm. i can do a few bad days as well like when he, he got sent off and um and Jesus, you have to turn around a face going home then as well, like and it's 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 terrible. Whereas you know when they won some of those matches, like you know the car would drive itself to Manchester Airport. Yeah. Everything was easier once they won, you know. And it was the
0: same for you, though as well, John, because I know that he used to go to some of your games, especially when you're Cork manager. And Sarah is a big, big supporter of Jay. I could yeah. often see Sarah yeah. at the matches as well. So the support worked both ways in that house.
1: Yeah, but he was there to give me advice there in the court games, and and um, Sarah and and my wife Stella were always there as well. So they gave me support, and uh, times went was up, and times went was down, and you know, I mean, all you can ask for is support from your family, and and they've always encouraged me, they've always helped me, and you know, and and at times if, if you're married to a an intercounty player or a Premier League soccer player, things can be fairly rough. Um, you know, in in you know more or less in the twenty four hours, forty eight hours after a game, because you're on massive lows, um, and it can be difficult for family members to take as well because it takes over your life and and uh, it takes over every minute of the day. Like so, you really need your family there. You really need you know. In in my case, my daughter, son, and, and wife, and and really close friends and uh, we've treasured over the years like and you know I mean they would look after me in a sense and I also had especially uh, I had a uh, Kilmiley Hurling Club in North Kerry as well who I'm involved with for 20 years I could go down there and I could sit down there and they'd leave me alone and um, they really put their arm around me and looked after me as well you know so it, it can be tough Valerie it can be tough at times
0: yeah but you'd recent success with them as well John and what makes you keep going back to them
1: there's the humility of the area it's humility of the people down there they're 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 a fantastic uh, area um and they're you know their community spirit is 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 brilliant um and um they have a huge sense of of community they have a huge sense of sense of, of what hurling means to them. And you know, they have tradition, they have culture built up over the years and, and their families involved and people involved. They're outstanding individuals. And um I just came back there this morning and I got a letter from, you know, Therese O'Leary, Willie O'Leary's wife, Willie died there in February this year. And um you know he had played with Kilmiley over the years and she sent me a diary for 20 22- 2022, fill out things now for 2022, but they're, they're, they're lovely people. They're lovely and it's nice to get down there and they look after you really well.
0: It's great. And I'm sure they're delighted with all the success that you're bringing them as well, John, Well, yeah. we're here to, we're here to chat about the book. And just before I let you go, um, I'm really excited to get a read of it. But for you, John, were you nervous when you maybe got the, the end product? Were you nervous about reading it from start to finish? Did you read it first?
1: No, no, I wasn't nervous um, because, um, you know, there are things you can say and things that you can't say. And and you have to be careful nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the the, the truth is there and that's it. Uh, Look, um, that's really it in a nutshell. And Fintan O'Toole has done a really fabulous job in the book, but also like Liam has done putting it all together and putting the finishing touches to it. and. Both of us are, are are extremely happy, I suppose, when, when my wife finishes it and, you know, she's probably more afraid than anybody else of anything that's in it. You know what I mean? So, look, it's it's um, we've really enjoyed doing it with Finton and Liam and, and I think they've been outstanding. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic story in a way uh, that a lot of people can tell about their own family, uh, you know that we all should be proud of our children and, and, you know, our wives and husbands and whatever, you know what I mean? There's a great story in every family. So hopefully Liam will will develop it further now in the future.
0: No, we can't wait. I will put a link up online now where people can buy it. Myler, a family member written by No Tool, of course. And as part of the Flesh and Blood series, it's available in Eason's and bookstations and Waterstones and all good bookstores. I'll put up a link there. John, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. It's been great.
1: Valerie, great. Good to see you. Hopefully, please God, I'd see you on the sideline in the future. You'll be yeah. asking me those difficult questions.
0: <laughs> Not at all, John. Not all at care.
1: all. Thank you so much. Yeah, super. Thanks.
0: John Myler chatting to me during the week it was so great to catch up with him as I did if you missed it at the start John was a lecturer of mine in CIT when I was back before I ever went into media I was in childcare so it was really nice to chat to him um, outside of sport and it was just lovely so that book I have shared it online so go get your hands and I'm sure it'll be a fascinating and amazing read between himself and David uh, so best wishes, Tim. Now, I'm delighted that this week and I'm delighted to be joined on the show by EBS ambassador and Paralympic silver medalist for swimming, Nicole Turner, following the final call for nominations for the 2021 Federation of Irish Sport Volunteers in Sport Awards. The awards will see EBS and the Federation of Irish Sport Hero um, get a thousand euros for your local club. So simply visit volunteersinsport.ie and nominations will be closing by tomorrow. It's a club, an individual, a sporting body. So head on over at volunteersinsport.ie. but I chatted to Nicole on Wednesday so let's take a listen. Joining me on the Big Red Bench this week and I'm very excited to chat with this lady, Nicole Turner, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Nicole, I'm going to start by telling you something horrendous and I'd say you'll be traumatised when I tell you this but I'm 30 years of age and I cannot swim.
2: <laughs> I don't like when people tell me that. <laughs> it's
0: disgraceful carry on isn't it?
2: That is, very Valerie, yeah. I'm not, a fan. I'm not impressed with that.
0: I just feel like I've tried I've tried a good few times over the last few years and I just feel like I'm too old now. You're never too old. Age <laughs> is only a number. <laughs> Says you and you flying it in the pool. That's exactly why you're saying it to me. Nicole, it's it's great to have you on the show. You've had a, a hectic year, um a year for yourself, but before I get into it, I'd love to ask you about do you ever remember your first swimming competition? I do.
2: Um it was actually so there was a thing called the World War Games. And the way I phrase it is it's kind of like a Dwarf Olympics, basically. Um, it's for all dwarfs or little people around the world to go to a country, go to a place. And it has anything like like the Olympics, swimming, running, cycling, whatever you want to do, throw yourself in, except you're just competing against people your own size. Um, so my, my parents found out I had a disability in 2007. And it turned out in 2009, the World War Games were actually being held in Belfast in Northern Ireland. So they just thought, you know what, it's only a, well, it's only a two-hour drive. It's not as if we have to travel anywhere. Eh, we, we might as well give it a go. And when we gave it a go, I came out with eight medals, a eh, five gold, two silver <laughs> bronze, and four of them medals were four gold from Simmons. So I think that's where it all started. Wow.
0: And this is where your family realized, okay... We have something special here in this lady, lads.
2: <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. And what age were you, did you say? I was
0: seven. Only seven? Yeah, so 12 years ago. Oh, my God. That's so young. And, I mean, obviously you were doing things like that for fun at the time, Nicole. It wasn't a serious thing. Oh, not at all. No, it was just something like to get me into something
2: against people my own size, where I thought it would have been But it was fun. Uh, and there was no
0: serious women at that age, not at all and when you came away with all those medals oh my goodness were you thinking to yourself god i'd like to do this
2: again i think so like because uh, even there i met back in 2008 when i found out i had a disability and i was watching the paralympics and ellie simmons was small just like me and she went on to win a gold medal in beijing and um, i turned to my parents, and i was like oh, i want to be like her not thinking of any of the commitment or sacrifice or anything that went into it uh, and i actually met ellie then in Belfast in 2009, so I think after seeing her and seeing her medals, it just kind of gave me an inspiration to go on and achieve what else, try and achieve what she achieved.
0: Yeah, and by God, did you. When did things get serious in for you? Like, what age were you realised, okay, if I do want to get to the Paralympics, I need to knuckle down? Uh, so in 2014 when
2: I was 12, um, I, so I swam in the Prana Swim Club in port Arlington and that's where my coach volunteered uh Emer matthews to coach me twice a week just up and down it was always fun no serious aspect but then as i was getting that little bit better and better at swimming and um, like prana Sim club was such a lovely club but it just there wasn't enough hours there so that's when i moved to portlish and um i swam six days a week and that was when the early mornings started as well so i swam two days a week before school, uh, and that was the time where I was like, right, I need to start to properly swim in there.
0: <laughs> and yeah. you did mention your coach, Emer. I know we're here today to chat about, um, you know, having some volunteers in the Sport Awards, which we will give some details towards the end of, and Emer obviously, for you at the start, was such a big help, and she was only a volunteer, Nicole. Oh,
2: absolutely, yeah, she, vol- she, she was a volunteer then, and she's still the club's still going, and she's a volunteer now. Um, but she honestly just made like, if I was told what to do, if I was told it was serious, real serious, I wouldn't. Like, at, at six, seven years of age, I wouldn't want to do that at all. It would have put me off, and I would have walked out and been like, right, I'm not doing this. Um, whereas when I went, I enjoy, I wanted to go somewhere. It was always a fun aspect. There was always fun things to do. It wasn't a case of right, you have to do this, this, and this. Today it was whatever you wanted to do, whatever you wanted to achieve. So I just think. Yeah, it does, like volunteers, like emers. City, that's where I did start out and then I just moved up and up from there. Yeah, people
3: can
0: nominate and everyday on to even a chance of winning 1,000 euros for their local sports club. They can visit volunteersandsports.e. I will put that link up online uh, at the big red bench. But you mentioned it was fun at the time. I mean, Nicole, is it still fun for you? Absolutely. I, I think if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. Um, it is a lot more serious
2: now. And, like, as the years go on and I'm getting older and older, I do see the serious side of
0: it. But I think if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. Of course. And the summer that you've had, I mean, out in Tokyo, on the Olympics, the Paralympics, I mean, what an amazing achievement, <laughs> Nicole. For you yourself, did you expect to come home with something? Uh, no. I, I
2: say no, but I think, looking back in Rio, in Rio I was half a second away from the medal, but in Rio I just went out and enjoyed myself. It was my first Paralympics, there was no expectation or pressure. Whereas I'm not saying there was expectation or pressure this summer, but I think coming out of school for two years, putting like my education on hold, my mom putting her career on hold to drive me to and from and then, like I did make a lot of sacrifice to want to get to that medal. Um, but going into the games I think like I was ranked number three in the world. So World Championships 2019, I won a bronze medal. And from there, like, when I won that medal, I was kind of like, hmm, the games are next year, I'll be in with a real chance. But then the games got postponed. And as the games got postponed, like, new people just came into the category. So I think going into Tokyo, like, there, I'm not going to say there was pressure and expectation, but there was there was hope mm-hmm. from not just me, from my coaches, from my friends, from my family, that I was going to win a medal. Um, so I did. I'm not that. I, feel, I mean, I hate to say I did feel pressured, but I did want to win that medal. But I think I always thought it was going to be a bronze medal. I never dreamed
0: it was going to be a silver. It was absolutely it was outstanding. outstanding. It was amazing. And I mean, how did you find the experience itself? And for someone like you as well, you did it without your family or friends there, because I presume you'd have been used to them going to all your races. And
4: uh,
2: absolutely. I mean,
0: years ago. When I first started out at the World
2: Championships in 2015, I didn't want my parents there. But now, if, now, now I appreciate my parents a bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, to be honest, I didn't really think of my family, like, to be fair to Warke, they um they actually, they did the most coverage they've ever done on the Games. And um, they even, they came to my house while I was racing out in Tokyo and recorded my family's reactions and then... Later on that day, I got to speak to my family through um, RTE. But I think because there was no crowd, my teammates just made that extra effort to make it sound like there was a crowd. And all like support staff from Ireland to Ireland, if they weren't at major other major events, they'd come and support. They wouldn't stay put at home and watch us on the TV. So I think everyone did make that extra effort to come and support us.
0: No, it's absolutely oh, outstanding. Really and how do you feel about being an amazing role model for young girls and boys across the country? Now, I mean, women in sport—we've had such an amazing year, Nicole. Oh, absolutely. I mean, out of Tokyo, we had, we had seven
2: medals: four gold, two silver, and a bronze. Uh, there was five medalists, and out of the five medalists, it was three girls and two ma- three females, two two males. So I think. Women in sport is growing massively, and I think inspirations as well. Like, even when I came home, I uh, I got a big, massive welcome home parade from the local town, community, and whatever. And um, just before the parade started, there was, like, a load of kids gathered in a local rugby club. And there was a little boy called Eddie, and Eddie was in a wheelchair, couldn't use his legs. Like, he was in his wheelchair full time. And um, I went over to Eddie, I showed him my medal. And then, like, as I was walking away, he was only about five or six. As I was walking away, he turned to his mom and he was like, I want to be like Nicole one day. So even just, yeah. even hearing that, like, that does, that that does make me want to stay doing what I'm doing. Like, it's not just how, ha- it doesn't just have an impact on my life, it's impact on other people's lives as well. What's next for you? Uh, I suppose, well, the big aim is to stay on for Paris in three years' time, but, I just take one step at a time. Like we've world championships in Madeira next June and then there'll be another set of World Championships in twenty twenty three and
0: then hopefully Paris in twenty twenty four. It'll be absolutely amazing. I can't wait to keep keep an eye on you throughout your journey. Before I let you go I would love if you would give some advice for someone out there like myself who maybe struggled to learn how to swim years ago and if there's something that they want to do like you when you were young you got into swimming you you stuck with it like have you any advice for someone that maybe want to do something and that's afraid to?
2: to get to get in and get stuck in I suppose like like swimming is fun and but like the journey isn't always fun you do have ups and downs like at the start like if I look at me wanting to get in football, like I can already kick a football, but if I kick at if I stay at it, I will get better and better. So I think it's all about making that first
0: move. And once you make that first move, it'll just go up and up from there. It's absolutely great. And before I let you go as well, volunteers and sports ward, it's great. They have a chance to win a thousand euros for their local sports club, which is great. You can nominate an individual or sporting body, and the closing date for it is this Sunday, the 17th of October. It's a good bit of money for a club, Nicole. It's a very
2: good bit of money, yeah. And I suppose clubs are always like, "Oh, this mummy does this this much for the club. This person does this much, and now it's time for that mummy or that person to get recognised for it."
0: Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. EBS ambassador and Paralympic silver medalist Nicole. It's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at RedFM.ie. <laughs> Cork's
0: Red FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM with me, Valerie, with you until 7 o'clock tonight. We have plenty more on the way. Emer Meany will be chatting to Jerry McCarthy on this week's Women in Sports podcast. It's up online if you want to take a look at it. But first of all, we're going to hear now from Cork City um, goalkeeper David Harrington, who has got a run in the team in the recent weeks. He is following in the footsteps of his father, who is the legendary Cork City keeper Phil Harrington. As always the lovely Colm O'Sullivan spoke to David who started his third game in a row for City against UCD last night. Let's take a listen.
5: So Cork City were back in action last night for their second last game of the League of Ireland First Division season and unfortunately it was a defeat away from home to UCD. One game left for Cork City. It is at home to Galway United in the uh, in the league next week at Turners Cross next Friday night 7:45. And um with nothing much to play for the last few games manager Colin Healy has been making a few changes maybe try- out guys for next season and one man who has come into the team and started the last three games is David Harrington in goal and he joins us on the show now David how are you? I'm not too bad Colin, yourself Very good um, so a defeat last night unfortunately but I suppose we, we kind of talk from the positives first of all from your perspective David um, being in the team I suppose you're delighted to have got a, a run of games now three league games in a row and you managed to keep a clean sheet in two of them as well
4: Yeah um, so I got to start against Bray um, then I played the next two and to be honest yeah I'm just delighted um, sure look I've been going to the game since I was about seven I couldn't even I i say I've been a fan all my life and then to get the chance in is brilliant to be fair but um, yeah Colin told me on Thursday before Bray and since then look I thought I'd done okay um, last night we were unlucky to lose the game but um I think we've improved massively as a team and it's just about building out for next year
5: Absolutely and I suppose for people who are unaware uh, your father was a, a well-known goalkeeper with Cork City back in the day Phil Biscuits, Harrington as well so I suppose that's how you got introduced to the club and became a fan and, and now you've ended up following in his footsteps and playing for the club
4: Yeah, well the club is the club's massive in this family really um, Sherlock, my dad my dad's been a, been a player been a coach I started going to the games and before I was 10 years old, they'd say like, and I can remember even just being a fan in 2017, 2016, I was at all the cup finals and then my dad was, my dad was uh, the goalkeeper coach and then um, Colin gave me a ring when I was at under-19 level and said, look, and my dad kind of sorted it out and started with the under-19s, played two years there and then got my first professional contract off Neil Fennin 2019 and took it from there but yeah it's a huge huge club biggest club in the country really and it's been um, it's been massive for the family really our whole family watch every game you know but um, yeah I'm delighted really
5: yeah, and it's it's massive, I suppose, for, for it's a great thing for the club and for fans of the club to see a guy like you come through, who's family connections to the club, um, who's been a supporter like you mentioned, as recently as like 2017 when City were winning the double, you were there as a supporter and everything, so it must be a cool feeling to be to be on the pitch there and now wearing the the jersey the last few games
4: Yeah, do you know what, Cullum? Um The game against Wexford, when I when I came out, it was my debut in Turner's Cross uh, like the fans were singing and you know all like as a fan you know all the chance and I was just I stood out, I stood out and before the rest blew the whistle to start the game I was just I was actually just smiling, just hearing the chance, just knowing I was up there a few years ago in the shed. But um yeah, it's great to be a player and a goalkeeper as well like my old man. So yeah, hopefully I can my dad's won a lot of trophies at the club, so hopefully I can uh, replicate what he's done.
5: Hopefully, we'd all love it if you can. And uh, long may it continue that, that you're that you're doing well in the team. Um, as we said, you got two clean sheets um, away to Bray, and then then with the Wexford game, the, the the win at home was a great game in front of the shed, keeping a clean sheet, I suppose, as you mentioned. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be last night. But it was a penalty. What what did you make of the penalty incident? Obviously, you were involved in it yourself uh, for the penalty last night, David.
4: Yeah, um, to be honest, Cullen, I be a hundred percent honest as a goalkeeper. But I I don't think it's a penalty at all. But, look, looking back at the video, like, in real time, I got two hands on the ball. I pushed the ball away. But you look at the video and you can say, oh, look, it's easy for the ref to give. But, sure, look, that's football. It's the life of a goalkeeper. But I know myself, I, I won the ball. So, But it's still disappointing to lose the game. And it's a penalty that I give away. But I just got to forget about it now. That's all news. And focus on focus
5: on Galway last home game of the season. And hopefully we can finish the
4: season strong then.
5: Absolutely uh, and it is Galway for the last home game next week and uh, you would be hoping obviously to be involved again but um, like you've come in for Mark McNulty obviously the last few games and McNulty, uh, Mark have been playing most of the season um, but obviously Mark is pushing on now and there will be a slot available over the coming few years you would imagine there and he, he's the goalkeeping coach there as well so obviously you mentioned your dad was the previous goalkeeping coach he would have taught Mark McNulty a lot of what he knew and you obviously learned loads of stuff from your dad but you're probably learning stuff from McNulty now as well are you as a coach? um sure,
4: the first time I came in, I learned like I remember I came in as a young fellow with my dad. He just brought me in training, and I've been learning from Nus since that day the amount of not, the amount of information and key points notes has taught me over the years is massive, and I'm still learning every day off him he's he's been one of the best goalkeepers to ever play in the league, and um just learning off him every day is massive to be honest it's it's like it's invaluable experience that I get off Nults and the keepers that I've worked with as well as Peter Cherry, my old man. Uh even Paul Hunt this year as well, just giving me so much information that's just been so beneficial to me in in improving every day and, you know, hopefully just keep the head down now and don't stop improving really, just trying to keep going the up.
5: And Just one game left now Hopefully as we said We can finish it off With the, with a the win next week But like um, Looking ahead to next season Obviously you'll want to be involved More next season David And what's the mood like In, in the camp in general Ahead of next season Like, like Colin Healy Has come out and said it um, In the press In the last couple of weeks that, that the target for next season Has to be To get promoted To the Premier Division And is that the mood Amongst the players Obviously this season Didn't quite make the playoffs Even though The latter half of the season Was a lot better I suppose Than the first half of the season Probably just barely Missing out on it So is the target now Obviously amongst everyone In the squad is to is to anyone who'll be there next season and involved is to, to get up to the Premier Division and get Cork City back where the club belongs.
4: Yeah, I think I think we all know that the start of the season this year wasn't good enough, but I think I think there's a really good group of players this year that are here and we all know we all know that the club shouldn't be in the first division. But the club the club's the biggest club in the country, Cullum and I think it belongs in the Premier Division and it belongs to be competing for trophies in Europe it needs that's where the club should be so our aim is to is to get the club back up there and we won't be happy if we won't be happy next year if we don't go up but um that's the aim we need to get the club back to where it belongs and um back competing in the big competitions
5: Absolutely. We all hope that that is what happens. Fingers crossed. Uh, listen, David, thanks for joining us um, on the show tonight. David Harrington, Cork City goalkeeper, um, following in the footsteps of his father, Phil Biscuits Harrington. Uh, delighted to have you on, David, and thanks for chatting to us. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll chat a lot more about Cork City over the next uh, couple of years. Thanks for million me, uh, appreciate that.
0: Thanks to calling there chatting to David Harrington. Now, I did mention Jerry McCarthy does a Women in Sport podcast every week, and you can find anything in, in between on the podcast. It's amazing. He does such great stuff. And this week, he caught up with Morn Abbey, Abbey's Emer Meany. Let's take a listen.
6: Now, we're delight- delighted to be joined by three time All Star nominee from the Cork Ladies senior football team and Morn Abbey, of course. That's Emer Meany. Emer, welcome to the Women in Sport podcast.
3: Thanks very much,
6: sir. Um, I've been. Looking forward to talking to you for a long time because I'm an admirer of your uh, football ability, obviously, and the success that you've had with the Cork team. But from your own personal point of view, being nominated for an All-Star is a lovely accolade and for your family and for your club, you must be absolutely thrilled.
3: Yeah, look, I, I am delighted. It is it's really nice to be nominated and it's it's lovely to be recognised. But I suppose you rely on the players around you and, and good teammates for you know, for them doing their job, for you to get your do- job done on the pitch as well. So I suppose you're only as good as the players around you and without them being there to pick up the pieces when, when you miss that ball or you miss that tackle, um, I suppose you wouldn't be recognised in, in that manner. So it is really nice to get um, to get nominated, but I, I would much rather the team medals than the individual accolades anyway.
6: Very well said. And you're lucky insofar as in your career you've been surrounded by some seriously talented players for Morne Abbey but also for Cork over the last couple of years a time of transition with a lot of new younger players coming on board um, you've had to be at the top of your game to keep in that first team
3: Oh absolutely um, I suppose every year there's new players and it brings freshness and it keeps it so competitive like you know there's players fighting to get on a match day panel there's Players fighting to get on, you know, the first five subs, and then you have the team like everyone's fighting their own battle, and it keeps it so competitive. Um, and I suppose it keeps uh, the intensity of training, you know, really, really high standard, and that's what you need. If you, you know, you have to practice in training what you want to bring into a match. So um, it has been brilliant that I suppose every year there's been new players, and you know, even players developing year on year. Players come back with a new lease of life, so it's been really tough, and it, it keeps it really competitive, which is great.
6: Yes, it does. And considering everything that happened with COVID and we don't want to go back over that, Cork enjoyed a really, really good run to the semi-finals. Unfortunately, the semi-final didn't work out against eventual All-Ireland champions, Meath. But is it a case of unfinished business, aimer for looking into next year? Is that something that you're looking forward to now, going back into the championship again and looking to go one better, if not more? Absolutely, yeah. I
3: think, um, I think we've had unfinished business now for a few years. Um, and I think every year we go back buzzing for the championship and buzzing for the league and i think it's a great way to be sometimes when you go in with a chip on your shoulder you're a little bit hungrier so um i think we've definitely got got a chip on our shoulder going into next year which which is a positive thing i suppose if you use it in the right the right way but i'm really looking forward to um to next year and everything like that you know there's incredible players and you know a change of management and everything there's a freshness coming and i think um, you know, what me did this year, I think every team can take inspiration from, from knowing that if you believe enough and if you work hard enough and if you have the system in place and if you buy into it, then,
6: you know, any team can win the championship and that it's a really open book for next year. Indeed it is and I'm glad you said that because there are at least if one, two if not three or four counties along with yourselves that will be in the running for it now including the reigning All-Ireland Champions Mead. You talked about a freshness for next year. Um, a familiar face will be on the sideline for Cork or should I say a familiar voice uh, from your point of view in Shane and um, That's a lovely bonus for you because he's somebody that you've worked with a lot over your career.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said a familiar voice. I don't think you could but hear Shane on the sideline. Even if I think at this stage I actually can a small bit block him out. But it's taken years of practice. Um, but no, look, I, I have huge respect for Shane, and you know, massive thanks to, to Efi and all of the background um, management that have been involved with him over the past few years. They, they've done brilliant work. But I, I have huge respect for Shane, and I'm really looking forward to, to the freshness, I suppose, and a new management team can bring to the, to, to the panel so um, I definitely am looking forward to getting stuck into things next year
6: Good stuff um, On the club scene uh Moran Abbey are looking to re- get that uh, Cork Senior Football Championship title back um, you've started off particularly well It's it's the championship obviously is far from over but you must be pleased with how well Moorn have been doing thus far
3: yeah absolutely i suppose it was it was really nice and it was a great way to pick myself up after after that semi-final defeat that i was able to just go straight back into club training and the way it was last year i suppose with covid and everything it was kind of the reverse we played we played the club season in in the summer and we obviously played a winter championship with county so um it was nearly a full year since i had kind of got the opportunity to train and play with my club so it was really nice to um kind of go straight back into training with Abbey, and we I think we're at a league semi-final stage That's, you know at that point so it was really nice to get some game um, game time in as well but no things have been going well so far so hopefully we can continue to do that and as you said we're definitely looking to get that, that title back
6: Indeed. And there's some seriously good teams on both sides of the draw as it is. I mean, obviously, Aeroge are going quite well. But, um, as we do the, as we conduct this interview, we don't know what the semi-final lineup is going to be. But as you said yourself, your experience over the past number of years, both in winning county and Munster and all Ireland championships, you'd be looking to lean on that. But there's a couple of, as with the Cork senior team, Emer, there's a lot of young players coming through that set setup as well.
3: Yeah, which is great. Um look we have, you know, very, very experienced players who've who've been there through like junior, intermediate, all Ireland. Um, so we, we have those kind of players and then also we have some younger players which you really need and I think for any team to be successful you need a nice balance of so, you know, experience and, and that freshness that keeps everybody on their toes and keeps things competitive and we have younger players pushing for places and like I said with Cork that's what you need you need training to be intense, you need everybody there fighting for their jersey so it's, it's been really good.
6: Indeed it has and just on that I mean when you look at the competition for places that you're well used to when it comes to Cork and with mornabby Abbey that has driven you on I think and, and there's like people a lot of the time people talk about the forwards that are in the Cork team and rightly so there's a huge amount of attacking talent already there and also coming through but that back division Emer and that full back line and those, those back positions I mean like you said yourself you've got to be on your game when it comes to training otherwise you know there's at least two or three more players that could fill, fulfill that position
3: Absolutely yeah and I suppose if if you get complacent or if you get comfortable then you just won't make it and I suppose it's really good that there's always someone there knocking on the door to say like if you're not going to fight for your, your place or your jersey I'm going to take it off you and it really is that dogged like and, and that's what you need you need people fighting for positions and as you said yes we've brilliant forwards we also have brilliant backs so if you're not willing to, to work hard and fight for your place and someone else just as good is going to come in and take that position after you so um, it is it is really good that you have to kind of keep those standards up
6: and speaking of standards, when you look at the nominations for this year's um, All-Star Awards, you are, you're in some seriously exalted company, not just with the Meath and Dublin nominations, but from Cork as well. It's great to see Melissa Duggan, Roisin Phelan, Eric O'Shea, Hannah Looney, and Si Valeri, Emer and yourself up there. Um, and it promises to be, uh, shall we put it, an entertaining night for you no matter what. It
3: should be. Hopefully we can sock the football boots for something a little
6: bit more <laughs> glamorous
3: for one and scrub up a small bit better but no it is it's great and you know i think there's seven of us if i'm correct from cork which is great because we did have a good year look we were very disappointed um obviously to lose out to me but look they went down to win the all-ireland at the end so we can we can take positives from the year as well as obviously being being disappointed in the end
6: uh, how much are you looking forward to just from your, your own family's point of view it's a lovely accolade as we said but just and for more as well maybe to finish the year with an with an all-star would be fantastic
3: yeah, look, it would be great. As I said, I really do think that I'd, I'd swap any um, individual accolade for team medals, which you've been searching for, but just you have to recognise that it, it's a really nice honour to be nominated, and obviously it would be great to get it, but sure enough, we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
6: Good stuff. Um, I just wanted to ask you finally, Ian, before we go, like your, your Twitter handle, your Twitter uh, reference, has a a lovely uh, sentence that says, the only disability in life is a bad attitude and it comes from Scott Hamilton. Can you just explain, because just in your line of work as well, why that line resonates with you?
3: Um, Yeah, like I think there's kind of two sides to that. I think like your attitude and your mindset is is so important and I think that's something that I've definitely learned um, through sport and that I've implemented in, in kind of all areas of my life that if you have the right attitude you really can achieve a lot of things and i suppose through different management and everything like that that's kind of something i have gained um on the flip side of it then and um, i work as a speech and language therapist and i i actually left my job recently so i'm working with adults now but i was previously working with um children in early intervention in disability services so they were under six um with complex needs and i think um and if you really really kind of get a different perspective on life when you see um how some people you know they're dealt such a short hand in life yet they they really turn it on their heads and they yeah. they make so much of, of a bad situation and there's some people who have such difficult situations and you know they really just have the most positive outlooks on life um so I think there's two sides of that, you know, that no matter what um, your abilities, you know, that's your mindset that determines your abilities and nothing else. So so there's kind of two sides to it, I suppose.
6: Can I ask you just finally, uh, in that role and in that fantastic job that you have and that you have the ability to, to do, that's obviously helped you when it comes to sport and that you've, you, you know, your mindset and the mentality and the, the whole mental side of football and sport in general has become huge over the last number of years. Has that helped you?
3: Definitely. Look, and I think you can see, like, sports psychologists and everybody like that getting, you know, getting involved with teams and seeing the impact that they're having on teams. I think that sport like teaches you so much. Even I think you learn sometimes more from the losses, um, and similarly, like your career, you take so much from that. And like I said, you see people in difficult situations who are so determined um, to get better and to improve and to work hard, um, and I suppose when you find yourself in a a difficult situation in a match or something like that, you can draw from that and and power yourself through Mm. knowing that other people, you know, are so determined with their own battles. So I think you do draw from all areas of your life, really, yeah.
6: Excellent stuff. That's fascinating. Listen, Emer, on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench in Cork Street FM, we'll be watching the Night of the 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 All-Star Award ceremony itself and fingers crossed um, you will get the accolade that you deserve for all your efforts this year. You had a fantastic year for Cork. We'll be watching and hoping that you can bring home an all-star. And if not, it has already been a brilliant year for you. And hopefully 2022 is just as good.
0: Thanks very much, sir. That was Jeremy Carty there chatting to Eimear Meany, who, of course, has an all-star nomination. We're looking forward to those. They should be on in the next couple of weeks. And I do know that someday next week, I think it's Thursday the Camogie are actually going to release their nomination. So let's keep an eye. So next week we'll probably be chatting about that in the show and hopefully there'll be plenty of nominations for Cork as well. So that was it for the show tonight. There was plenty happening. If you did miss my chat with John Myler, I will be podcasting the show once it is over. Uh, John was on to chat about his new book. Um, it's the Flesh and Blood series. It's Myler, a family memoir with his son, David. The bottom after deciding to do a book. So you will be listening to that on the podcast. Also, we had the wonderful Paralympian. She is a silver medalist now after Tokyo, Nicole Turner. She was on telling us all about swimming in her first ever race. She was seven. Uh, she came home with a heap of medals. And I think that's when people realized there was something special and that she could swim. And it was great. It's been absolutely wonderful for her and all the people that have been in Tokyo. It's been a really special year of sport. And then we had David Harrington. He was chatting to Colm Sullivan. Uh, Cork City keeper, so he'll be there, and of course if you missed Emer, you'll be chatting she, Gerard McCarthy was chatting to her, so there's plenty more, i just give a run over um, at the moment, there's 66 minutes gone in the Chelsea and Brentford game, and it is 1-0 to Chelsea earlier on, Southampton beat Leeds 1-0, uh, that was full time there in 3 o'clock game, um, it's Finished scoreless between Norwich and Brighton. Um, Man City it was full-time there. They beat Burnley 2-0. Leicester City beat Man United 4-2. I don't know why I get very excited. That's <laughs> because I'm an, an Arsenal woman. I think growing up, my father not liking Man United that much, I feel like it's rubbed off on me. Um Of course, Wolves beat Aston Villa 3-2. And Liverpool in the early game beat Watford 5-0. So there's plenty more and I know there's plenty club championship games on tomorrow. Rory will be on tomorrow evening from 6 o'clock. I'll be back next week's from 6 on the Saturday. So he'll have plenty more sporting action tomorrow evening. That is it for me. Do not forget though that our Women in Sport podcast is up online now. Joe McCarthy does an absolutely amazing one each week. He has so many guests on it. he puts so much into it. He does absolutely wonderful. So that will be upline and the Binge podcast will be up shortly afterwards. So have a great evening, and Rory will be back tomorrow night. And Stevie G is on the way next.
1: The Big Red bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. <laughs>